This is the Adopted Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Adopted Mom Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7. Today, we are going to talk to Karen Labar. Now, if you listen to Season 2, Episode 1 with Christy Harmon, we kind of teased this episode a little bit. So Karen is actually Christy's mother, and Christy was adopted at birth, and she has a brother who was also adopted at birth. And as she was talking about the love that her adoptive parents had for her bio parents, I knew instantly that I had to talk to these people. And so I was so excited that Karen was willing to sit down and chat with me just about um, her faith and God's sovereignty to come alongside them as they talk to their kids about hard stuff. And now having two successful adults that they have raised from birth, I am so excited that we get to learn from her wisdom. So let's hear from her, Karen Labar. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast, Season 2. I'm super excited to be in Season 2. That is so exciting. So I'm thrilled to death to bring you today's guest because we have already talked to her daughter, and you guys heard how infectious her personality is and how just wise beyond her years she is. And she credits she credits it, excuse me, all to this lady that we're talking to right now. So welcome, Karen. How are you, how are you doing? Fine, thank you. And and I I credit the Lord and just natural um personality to um to where Christie's coming from and and we did um invest a good bit in her upbringing as far as um um pointing her to the scripture and and to the Lord. So he and um he's done it all. <laughs> But thank Those are you very all much. Great points. And that's kind of what we want to get into today because after I talked to your daughter, Christy, I I think it was maybe two days later and I texted her and I was like, Okay, I've got to talk to your parents. I have to, because they I don't know, you guys seem to have so much wisdom and I'm excited to jump into all of that. So on that note, can you just introduce us to your family a little bit? Sure. Um Jim and I got married in um in our mid thirties. And um, when we started trying to have children, figured out pretty quickly that I had major infertility problems. And um, partly because of my age, I I did not want to go too far with um, infertility treatment. Um, I I just felt like it was twisting God's hand and that that he had a different plan for us. And, And Jim, of course, agreed with that. Um, um, we were definitely in, in that whole decision making process together. So we, we quit, um, we quit at kind of an early stage in the infertility, um, process and, um, began to find out more about adoption. And strangely, just as we were pursuing, um, the idea of a private adoption because we didn't know anybody who adopted through agencies, we were approached by, um, a friend of mine who, um, told us about a girl who was pregnant and was looking for, quote, a good Christian family. So, um, and we were on my friend's heart and this was actually an older woman that I didn't know all that well, but, um, but anyway, she was, um, 
she was prompted to call us and see if we would be willing to consider it. So we did get linked up with Christy's birth mother, Bonnie, and we communicated through an attorney and um, and sent profiles, and she received us um, as as who she felt God wanted to her to entrust her child to. And then um, about maybe two or three years later, I'm well, probably two years later, I'm uh, we were thinking about adopting again and thinking about. Um, doing a private adoption because again we didn't know anybody who had who had adopted through an agency in our circle of friends so um uh, in the in that time period i met a woman um who um had been a a birth mother or pregnancy counselor with an adoption agency on the west coast and when i got to know her she was just delightful and when i got to know her she really emphasized to me and i'll credit her with really opening my eyes to what adoption is from the birth parents point of view and the the um sacrifice it is and the um and the ways that um that birth mothers need to be affirmed and appreciated in order to um to heal from the um, from the sorrow and the loss of placing a child in adoption, and and when I told her, uh, she very strongly urged me to um, to talk with Jim and work on should we be adopting through an agency. And when I told her that I didn't know people who had adopted through agencies in Georgia, she she said, "Well, I think my agency would work with you," and we got connected with her agency, which was in Seattle. And we were selected by a birth mother um, who was very young and um, uh, had gotten pregnant by an older uh, older person, a, a guy in his mid-20s. And um, in any case, she... Um, she chose us to be the parents for her um, her baby, who was due in I think it was three weeks. He came a week early, and we flew out to Seattle and um, and stayed out there while the interstate adoption paperwork went back and forth. So we had two kids then, um, almost exactly four years apart, and um, just. So much enthusiasm in our family, extended family everywhere about um, these two, these two blessings, and um, and ever since talking with that friend and getting more involved in thinking about what could I do to encourage other um, other women to choose adoption, um, as you know, or even think about it, um, I just started studying more and more about. Um, adoption in general and about um, um, birth mothers and their situations and how to how to bless them and why that's not only important to to the healing of the birth parents but also it's an important um, communication and an important thing for the for the um, adopted children to know of um, the fact that they were loved from before birth, and that they were loved by their birth mothers enough that they would entrust them to a prepared married couple who um, who um, we believe God selected to um, to raise 
to raise them to be their parents. So that that's kind of where a lot of my philosophy comes from is is just having having gone through those experiences. That's so awesome. I I love hearing that. So okay, we know your daughter's name is Christy, and what mm-hmm. is your son's name? David. David. Awesome. And he so he's four years younger than Christy. You said. So that's he's twenty three and she's twenty seven right now. Right. So that's nice and spread out. You you got to spread the baby years out a little bit, get some sleep yep. in between, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> we we did some scheduling, so we got sleep pretty quickly after they came to us. And, oh my gosh, we um, did scheduling too. Yeah, I I really I think you know, well, I don't want to get off on on um marriage. That's not really our subject, but I do think that um well, maybe it is our subject too. It is in every family, but the the um, the security of the marriage bond is what gives the child security, and um, having the child come into your home and working to get to a good schedule where you are getting sleep is essential for keeping yourself and your marriage going. Um, but I know there are a lot of people who disagree with me on that. So I, you know, I don't see that as, um, as make it or break it, but I, but I do think that, um, that it's so important and maybe even more important for adoptive families to, make sure that the couple is focusing on on their relationship um, because they will leave the home, fly the nest, and the two of you are going to be there for the rest of one of your lives. So um, (laughs) it's really important that we don't um, miss out on that number one relationship that, um, that I think we need to have right under our relationship with God. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, I think that, Marriage issues take a whole nother level when it comes to adoption because, mm-hmm. you know, and we we are we pride ourselves on honesty here at the Adoptive Mom Podcast, and we've talked lots of times in different episodes about how one parent might attach quicker than another, mm-hmm. and that can definitely cause cause some strife and discord and just how we rectify those things. And we actually have a marriage episode coming up here in season two, which I'm super excited for. So I'm really glad you touched on those things and we can definitely get into some of that stuff later. Um, but I wanted to hear more um, um, about kind of after, after your children were in your home, what the process was for you guys. Cause you know, we talked to Christy about how you guys started so early with talking to them about, their birth parents and praying for them and their, their story. And I just thought that was so wonderful because as adoptive parents, there's so much fear involved with getting, mm-hmm. um, with, I mean, especially with allowing our children to see or meet their birth families, you know, there's a lot of safety concerns and just fear of what if they won't love me anymore? What if they want to be with her instead or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, the way that Christy was talking about you guys, it seems like you just fully trusted in God. And I was like, I would like a piece of that, please. So um, what was, what was kind of your, your process with you and your husband? Was it a, was it a definitive decision that you made? Like, Hey, this is the age we're going to start talking about this or did it just happen? Um, Well, my husband is very tall and Christy was tiny and um, uh, you know, she just was a very petite girl and still is. So um, he's six foot nine. She's almost five one. Oh my um, goodness! 
And we knew I'm very tall. I'm 5'9". He's 6'9". And no matter, pretty much no matter who we adopted, unless the parents were in the NBA or the whatever the women's thing is, the WNBA, we were we were probably not going to um, look like we necessarily um, belong together, and much like interracial. Um, adoption situations and and there are a variety of situations where it's just obvious that, that you're going to um, that somebody's going to say why is your dad so tall or why are you black and your your mom and dad are white or you know whatever so um, I don't know we just and and because we felt like it was really God's way of making our family, God's way of building our family. So we we didn't have any hesitation in talking freely about it um, to our friends. We just viewed it as a tremendous um, blessing that Bonnie would entrust Christy to us and then that Amanda would entrust Davy to us. So, um, so in and because that friend had sensitized me, to the importance of it, not just for the birth parents, but to honor them, but for the the child um, to understand that they were loved, that they weren't. Uh, they're prevailing myths in our society about adoption, and one of them is that it is abandonment. Well, it's anything but abandonment in an awful lot of situations where the the birth mother at great um, risk to herself in in many ways um, makes a choice that's not very well supported by the culture um, to entrust her child to someone outside her birth family and because she wants what's what she views as best for the child wants a father wants a prepared family doesn't want to bring a child into a crisis situation in her own her own birth family. So um, anyway, we just, from the beginning, um, Jim started calling Christy my darling adopted daughter, which uh, I don't, I don't know what adoption professionals would think of that, but, um, but, (laughs) you know, just, just, it was a word that they heard. And, and we would, um, we would talk about the love that their birth parents had for them. And that, um, you know, that they chose, they chose life, for them and chose us and and in a way that secures them to you especially if they were the ones choosing you know in typically now in um in agency adoptions the the um birth parents are the ones choosing the couple it's not um it's not our choice it's their their choice so um you know it's agreed on but it but Anyway, just that, uh, and and Bonnie, I, I guess I didn't mention, we got back in touch with Bonnie because this attorney that we had worked through did not believe in contact after the adoption, and he went, he was moving on to other adoptions, and, you know, he was an attorney, he wasn't a social worker type, didn't have the capacity to do that, but we began corresponding with Bonnie, um, sending um, letters and then pictures um through um, through the person that had connected us with her family, and we did that um, probably starting when Christy was three, and I think writing those letters where I could brag to her birth mother about 
every little cute thing that Christy said and um, all the brilliant things that <laughs> that she did, all of that, um, you know, kind of bonded me somewhat to Bonnie, which had already happened before Christy's birth, too, because we corresponded for probably seven months before Christy's birth. So, um, um, you know, it just was natural to talk about them and to to, to pray for them occasionally. I, I think we got more sensitized to the need to be praying for them as time went on. Um, so, you know, it's just it just kind of evolved from our mindset of appreciation for who this person is in in um, Christie's life. And then that carried over with Davy, even though his situation was not as positive as um, Christie's birth parent situation. The, um, the girl was just so young and, um, you know, and th- that, that was, um, that was something we had to deal with as we talked about, about the birds and the bees. And, and also as we talked about why he was, um, why he was, interested in adoption you know why why wasn't he with his birth mother so that that's kind of how it started just out of um out of love for the kids and love for for these women who made it possible for us to be parents definitely and you know this this question just came up because i i hadn't thought of this before but did you deal with any did you struggle with any jealousy on on davy's part that that Christy got to have a relationship with her birth parents. Well, that came much later. Um, we did not we did not um, really introduce Bonnie to her personally until her thirteenth birthday. I wrote to Bonnie and said, "Would you? Um, I'm asking a bunch of um, of close people in Christy's life to write letters of encouragement and advice." Um, as she enters her teenage years, would you be interested in writing a letter? Don't feel like you have to, but if you'd like to. And by then I knew Bonnie was a very communicative person and um, in fact has quite a bit of Christie's personality. I think I know where the personality came from. <laughs> but but her birth father is also very engaging and charming. But, um, but anyway, I um, um, wrote that letter to her and she wrote back about a seven-page letter to Christy and enclosed a package of pictures of her pregnant, of her with the birth father, of um, uh, um, just her parent. I don't know if she had her parents. I think she had her parents in there. And, um, and, and this letter, and the letter was very affirming of, I know God chose your parents to be your parents, and I'm so grateful and that kind of thing. And that was the attitude Bonnie had throughout all of our correspondence. I would send these detailed letters to her pretty much every year on her birthday, on Christy's birthday, with a big pack of pictures, and not of us, but of, of Christy. And then um, and then she would write back and, and just say, I can't believe you want to do this for me. This is so wonderful. Um, so, you know, we built trust through the years of corresponding by letter, and then, um, and then, when Christy was fifteen, we went on a, um, um, like a, a tour, to, uh, well, we went actually when she was fifteen, we went to, we went to 
Disneyland, and then the birth mother lived close by with her husband and her two young boys. And so we went to um, um, an hour or two out of the way to go visit her. So that was the first time we met face to face. And and um, and then when Christy was seventeen, we went to her parents' um, home, to Bonnie's parents' home and met her parents, her brother, a cousin, and they introduced us. They had a little luncheon for us with their friends from church who had always prayed for Bonnie and prayed through the pregnancy and knew all about us from from them. Um, and um, and they wanted those people to, to meet, not just Christy, but us and Davey and um, so that's kind of the stage. And then the next time, and actually I guess the, the latest time we saw any of, that Jim and I saw any of them was at Christie's wedding. We invited um, Bonnie, her husband, the two boys, and um, Bonnie's parents to, to um, sit with the family in the, in the wedding. Wow, that's amazing. Like Yeah, and then about two years later, well, I guess three, two and a half years ago, we felt like something's missing here. Christy had connected with her birth father after she got married, and um, and then we, I had communicated with him on Facebook a good bit, and then um, and then Jim and I planned a trip um, to meet him, and we took him out to dinner. I think, I think we chatted for about five hours <laughs> over dinner. <laughs> but, um, so, you know, it, things have evolved. I think if I could do it a little differently, I might have waited a little bit longer until Christie's identity was more set than it was at age 15 for her to meet Bonnie. Um, I, I think there was a slight bit of confusion, and she was kind of young to understand what what it would mean to Bonnie to meet her, mm. and um, and I think Bonnie was mature enough to handle that. Um, Christy, I think, um, might have been a little disrupted by it, but um, but now there are so many very open adoptions where. There's a lot of interaction, and and I think getting good counsel as you go through that that process, um, through the agency, or you know, just reading some really good books or or whatever. I th- I think it's uh, every every adoption situation is different, and the birth parents are are different. With with Davy, we had signed up to keep her birth his birth mother. Informed the the birth father um, left the state because of the situation. She was underage, and he could have been um, he could have been um, arrested for statutory rape, I suppose. But um, but anyway, he he was not in the picture much, and we we have very little information about him. But we communicated with her for two years, and then the arrangement was that she would. Um, ask for additional updates um, as often as three times a year. And we met her actually before she chose us. Um, we went out there and she checked us out um, with her counselor and um, and us over a lunch. And then when we and she she decided she did want us to be his parents. And then two weeks later we flew back and. Um, 
and uh, took custody of him but had to stay out there in Washington State until the paperwork went back and forth. And we took her out to lunch a week after she gave birth to him. And she held him and, you know, and fed him. And um, so, but then after the two years, she didn't pursue continuing um, the correspondence. And it may be just that she was so young and not not ready for that. I, I would like I would like to connect with her. Um, Davies looked for her a little bit, but hasn't registered or done anything really overt to try to find her. And and with him being an adult, um, I feel like that's that's his decision. We we are not going to pursue it apart from him. Um, so, so do you mind if I ask you? I mean, I just was was taking note of a couple of things during during sure. that part. So. First of all, and I'm not I'm not in sure of either of their situations other than what you've told me and Christy uh, told me even less. So which I, is great. You know, that's I think that there's so much to be said of protecting someone else's story. Um, but because I don't know, you know, I don't know if there were drugs involved or if there was anything, um, anything no. growing up with with your two children that you had even the opportunity to be bitter towards birth pa- families to um about and I ask that because for those of us who have adopted through foster care that bitterness yeah. is very very real and it's so yeah. hard to honor someone's birth family when you're still reaping the consequences of their decisions do you know what I mean right yes I, yeah I do I do um no um um no neither of them had anything um really hot like that 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 we had to deal with um and and I think that that would be harder to trust God with. And and I think going into it, um, that's one of the things that I hope that the um, the training or preparation that that you're getting in order to adopt out of foster care that 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 would be very realistic about what the difficulties um, might be um, with things like fetal alcohol syndrome or. Um, or withdrawal from drugs or whatever like that. Um, and I, I like um, Christy um, works with a, a, um, an adoption agency, and I, I love their their outlook on on the whole process is that this is all part of God's plan and that um, that when you enter into an adoption relationship, you are entering into a relationship with the birth family and with that child's history, and that part of your role as an adoptive parent and your child needs to be trained to view the um, the birth parent also as part of the mission that God has for them. That, that they are, and you as the adoptive parents, are in a unique position to m- communicate the love of God, um, His mercy, forgiveness, and the gospel to, um, to the birth parents like no one else in the world. And, and I think that's very healthy. And um, frankly, I think we went into it thinking, oh, wow, this is a great way to form a family. And we, we were, I think, pretty naive to um, to what the possibilities could be. 
Um, and and yet, um, I, I don't know. I mean, we've had some we've had some difficulties um, that that I would say um, may have had some genetic component to them um, with our son. Some um, um, psychological issues that um, that he's dealing with extremely well right now we we are are blessed but there have been some rocky times along the way that 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 may um it may have um but uh there's a a book i'd recommend um called telling the truth to your adopted or foster child and i've met the author one of the authors who is jane Schooler, S-C-H-O-O-L-E-R. And in that book, she talks about um, things just such as that. And the emphasis, as the title would imply, is that the child needs to understand where they're coming from because people around them know and they will know. And besides, it is their story. So, she advises like a, a soft progression, I would call it, of revealing the difficult truths um, in age-appropriate ways over time. So, like this comes up even in teaching about sex to adopted children, because you can't say this is what a this is what a, a married you know most of the Christian books start with a married couple and a mommy and a daddy and looking like them and all these other things that aren't terribly appropriate. Um, maybe there have been a lot of, of new ones put out in, the, in recent years that uh, that are suitable for adoptive children. But but the um, uh, you know in my telling them I, I would I would they were conceived basically in a sinful relationship and so to to um, communicate the truth and beauty about God's view of sex and yet where did they come from you've got to confront it and the way I put it when they were young was they were doing things um, when they weren't married that are fine for married people to do but it's not okay for unmarried people to do but god had a plan and so you see what i mean there there are difficulties that need to be explained um even in the in the easiest of situations and i would say christie's was probably one of the easiest and davies was moderate not you know not severe like like you're saying out of foster care but the book that I'm, I'm mentioning um, does go into very difficult situations. The the parents in prison, the um, the mom who murdered the dad, the you know what <laughs> crazy things that just um, that just are part of their story. That there are people around them who know that story, and it's going to come out at some point. They need to hear it from you, and she strongly suggests that it be covered before puberty. And why is that? Um, Her view is, and I think I definitely agree with this, that when a a child hits around puberty, um, parents start knowing nothing in their view. And (laughs) um, before that time, you have a chance of shaping 
not just their understanding of the truth, but of their attitude toward it. And if you wait, they they develop, number one, a resistance <laughs> to your viewpoint on about anything. Um, but on something as important as this and the fact that they are interacting with um, more and more people means that... Um, that they could hear it. It's more likely they're gonna that they could hear it from someone else with a totally different slant on it, and they will make up their own viewpoint on it. So it's not a once um, and done um, conversation. You know, I think Christy uh, and, and praying for them and things like that. It's an ongoing, normal part of life. That not that you are always talking about it, but that, that you are, um, you are freely talking about it and that, um, in communicating and taking the initiative to communicate, I think that's, you've probably heard that from other people that it's just really important for the, for the adoptive family to give the child permission to know, um, about, about their origin um, because a lot of them will um, try to protect you from um, what's the word from feeling unloved or feeling that you're that they are hurting you by asking about it there there's a hesitation on the part of a lot of adopted kids to um, they, they feel like they'll be perceived as being disloyal. Um, and, and that's, you know, that if you're freely talking about it, then you're showing that you're, you're not going to be jealous about, about their interest. You're not going to freak out over it. You're not going to react, you know, to slap them down if they ask about it. And, yeah. and they have fears about all those things, or some do. You know, some aren't even interested in it, but, um, but you know, I think even if they don't express any interest, it's just really important to, for the parent to take the initiative um, to bring up the subject and then to do it always telling the truth, but not the complete adult version of the truth, but to pace it as the child's understanding grows to be able, you know, to just at the very beginning, well, your mommy couldn't take care of you. So she loved you and found um, daddy and me so that we could take care of you. And God wanted us to be a family, you know, something like that for a very young child. And then as they get older, then they're going to understand more and more about adoption just from the culture. And there are myths out there. And you're the myth buster. So, you know, if it's either your version or the culture's more negative version that they're gonna that they're gonna um, have available to them. And I just think in self defense, yeah, <laughs> you wanna you wanna um, make sure that you're the one telling them. So I want to go back to what what you said about um 
about telling your kids, you know, not not wanting them to be afraid. And if you, I think that that is so, so powerful. So if you don't mind even just repeating that, because I, I want to hear it again, and I know that the listeners probably do too. Um, you, you mean to, that the child would be afraid to broach the subject for fear of hurting or angering yeah. the, um, the, their, their parents? Um, I, I just think that's a natural reaction that most of them have. And it's an awkward, they, they know that something's, they know that something's different you know, in their experience than in their friend's experience. Now, maybe Christy told you that she kind of took it to the extreme. We, you know, we would say your your um, birth mother loved you so much, and, and we would use her name, that um, that she, um, she placed you um, for adoption. She entrusted you to our family for adoption. And uh, she tells the story that she that she one time said, um, I, I love my baby doll so much when I, um, I'm going to, I'm going to give her an adoption to another family, Yeah, <laughs> you know, so she um, did tell but, that story. Yeah. She's, you know, that, that's <laughs> maybe we overdid it, but, um, <laughs> but no, I think, I, I don't think they can ever be told too much that, that they, they were loved. And even in the, even in the situation where there is very difficult uh, well like for example uh, a child who is born with um, with a drug problem the the mother so easily could have chosen abortion her willingness to choose life is a, a is a evidence of love and her willingness um, to to just carry that t- that child through all um, all nine months of pregnancy is is commendable. There are other options these days, and um, and she could have avoided a lot of. Um, uh, she could have bought into some other heartache, but she could have avoided um, a, a lot of um, of difficulty, probably by by choosing abortion. So. Um, you know, I think I think we need to find what's commendable in them, and and just honor them as the as the birth parents that um, that God chose for that baby. That baby was not conceived only by the will of two human beings. Um, God's will was in the middle of there too, and that child's a precious image bearer of of God Most High, and that we honor, you know, we, so, so I, I just think bringing it up and talking about, um, just the whole issue of adoption, um, is, is just freeing to the child to enable them to know that when they have questions or if a friend says something stupid or if, a um, if, a if somebody says something about their, their tough story, that, that they're in a position to have already in their minds a positive view of adoption and um, and that you know it's a biblical way to form a family that's that's another I think really important essential thing for kids to know um, Jim and I weren't related but we're we're family because of marriage 
we're not biologically related to either of our kids, but we are a family because of adoption, because that's that's one of the ways that God forms a family, marriage, birth, and adoption. So, um, you know, just having the right, even theological mindset about um, adoption being a valid way to form a family, I think is a, a healthy starting point. Absolutely. Oh, that's so awesome. So if you don't mind my asking, we were talking about this fear and um, we've been talking about that in a few different ways, just fear on your kid's part of not hurting you in their curiosity about, you know, where they come from and then fear on our part as adoptive parents of, of where, where is this going to lead? Is this Mm -hmm. going to, is this going to be my, my downfall? Is this going to hurt Mm -hmm. me? And I think that those selfish thoughts are so natural and it sounds like you and your husband, um, did an incredible job of putting those feelings aside. But I have to ask, was there, was there a time when you were scared? I know that you said your, your son had done some digging on his own. Does that freak you out at all? No, no, I, I, with him, I have, I, we have really urged, um, we have really urged him to think maturely about this and that, um, that him meeting his birth, mother or even his birth father, if, if that can happen, is fine with us. Um, but he needs to go into it with his eyes wide open, and he needs to be prepared, and he and she need to be prepared for um, what the expectations are. And she was living a what I would call a rebellious teenage life, and hopefully she's straightened out and you know, I, I hope she's living a very fulfilled, happy life right now. But that may or may not be the case. And going into it, he needs to go into it not with a, oh, um, I just want to see what she looks like, or oh, I just want to meet her and satisfy my curiosity. You know, it, she he needs to think about where she's coming from. So that that's my only big caution with him is that because there hasn't been communication for so long we don't we don't know and he won't know where she's at and what her expectations would be so he needs to be sure that in if he does pursue it that he approaches it wisely and i i would encourage him to work with a um with someone who does unification reunifications um in an adoption agency, the one Christy works with facilitates reunions, and there's one here in um, in Atlanta where we live that um, that does that too. Um, so, because there does need to be preparation on both sides in terms of expectations. The, yeah. So- when Christy met Bonnie, it was like, why is this lady crying and so happy and hugging me and you know, I don't even know her. And, and you know, because she didn't know her. I felt like I knew her. I felt like I, we kind of adopted her in the process of adopting Christy because we communicated with her for years. Um, and we communicated for seven months before she was born, and I felt very bonded to her. And then, um, and then when we resumed the communication, um, you know, over those years, I felt very 
very invested in her. Um, but Christy didn't have that um, that kind of, you know, and, and she was she was 15 when she met her. You know, 15 year olds just aren't aren't really um, tuned into what adult life is about and what having a child would be about. So, um, you know, I think we did a I think we did a pretty good job of preparing her. I think, like I said, it would have been a little better to wait longer, but. But th- that's that's kind of more where we were, where we view it, is what's best for the child and what's best for um, for the birth parents and someone who's actively drug addicted. Uh, you know, I would really hesitate to um, introduce my child to a birth parent who's in that situation or. Um, you know, you know, there there just needs to be caution and wisdom depending on the situation. Um, but you know, once they're adults, they can make that decision themselves. And um, adult equals eighteen in most most places, so that's that's really sooner than what you imagine. You know. Yeah, definitely. That's if you've uh, got a fifteen-year-old, that's what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's coming really soon. Um, so, so would you chalk up that lack of fear to just being informed or would you say that it had a lot more to do with blind faith? Um, I, I'd say, I'd say developing some relationship between the adoptive family and the, and the birth family, that, that that's ideal, um, you know, t- for you to just know what you're dealing with so that you you can deal with whatever hardships would come up if if there are you know red flags that that do happen that you'd have some some clue about it um i don't know i i i think i think part of i guess an underlying philosophy of just parenthood that that I think is really important, especially for adoptive families, is that these children do not belong to me. Mm-hmm. Um, they belong to God, and they are being stewarded by me, and um, they are not mine, mine, mine. Um, I am responsible for protecting them, for providing for them, but I have no guarantees of um, of what their lives will be. I, you know, now the older they get, the more you see how very little control you have, <laughs> <laughs> and how any control you thought you had was really ceded to them, to you by them. It was not, um, it was not that you were able to control them, but they were willing for you to take the lead on things, or they were willing to follow your lead on things. But more than that, um, the intention is for them to become independent adults, and that process starts really early, and we need to be relinquishing them to the Lord more and more. And, you know, you, you send them off to school, and you know, no longer know everything that's going on in their day, and then it just keeps going on from there. It, it, so, and and learning that 
control is not the point. It's um, trusting God and doing the best you can and equipping them the best you can, but not it's there's it's not ownership, and their story is going to be their story, and it may not be the story you pick out for them. Um, so I you know I, I think that. That underlying philosophy of, uh, I, I believe that's a that's a biblical view of parenting is that that it's not a matter of control, domination, ownership, that kind of thing. It's a stewardship responsibility, and I think the birth parents who have made the choice um, to carry the baby to term and to choose a family, and to choose adoption, that that is the way that they um, responsibly have stewarded their child. So that, you know, that wouldn't be the coming out of foster care kind of a situation. But but anybody who's choosing, um, and, and maybe in the, maybe, maybe in the foster system, there are situations where the where the birth parents are are saying, I, I can't do this, I, I want them to go ahead and be adopted. And, you know, they voluntarily relinquish them. Others have it removed from them. But um, but in the cases where they're making a decision, it's it's a decision of stewardship. And I think if, if more of our American culture viewed children that way, there would be more children available for adoption because it clarifies that it's a responsible, loving um, decision for someone to make when when they see that they are unable to um, to handle the the parenting themselves, or when they want better for their child than being in a um, a, a home with no father um, who's invested and present and and um, available. Right. And actually the, the person that hooked me up with your daughter was someone who was in that situation. Um, and she's been on the podcast before her name is Sarah Avery and she is just a wonderful Christian woman. And she, that was exactly her situation. She just, she knew she wanted her child to have a father in the picture constantly present. And I think that that was the most, that's the most selfless Mm-hmm. honorable decision that you can make yeah yeah and if if um, the culture supported it more I think far more children would never get into the foster care system but I think the the culture and some of the families are saying you can do this you can do this and in situations where um, somebody as mature as you are you know your age your education your upbringing whatever you couldn't handle some of of what some of these people are trying to handle um i couldn't handle it um but but they don't have permission to consider adoption in in the culture that they're making the decision in so then their child ends up in the foster system because it's beyond what they are capable of handling or they're impaired by drugs or whatever and um you know if 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 this were more of a more of a um an option 
a real option to women in tough situations, um, then I think the the children could be placed at birth instead of go through the tough process of um, of the foster system and um, so yes, oh, my yeah. opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, a- amen, sister. I agree with you one hundred percent. And so, on that note, do you mind if we jump into some of these uh, closing questions that I have for you? Okay. Okay. And um, if you want, you can just go ahead and answer them through the lens of everything that we've been talking about. Just just raising these kids from, you know, from when they were placed in your home until adulthood, and um, just the ins and outs of having those hard conversations, and just everything that we've been talking about. Um, so my first question that I ask everyone is, so what do you wish that someone had told you at the beginning of this journey? Um, I wish I'd known from the beginning, um, what Bonnie's needs would be so that I would have maintained communication with her and assured her that Christy was loved and cherished and, um, and that we were honoring her, um, I'm so glad that it was early in her life and that we did reconnect with with her, um, you know, early in Christie's life that we reconnected with her birth mother. I wish I'd known that. Um, and I wish I'd had more of that perspective that um, that part of our role as adoptive parents is to do whatever we can to minister to the um, to the um, birth parents and birth family. Oh, that's so good. I, I love that just sound bite, just that it is our role as adoptive parents. I love that. Um, it's sacrificial on, on our part in some situations, you know, I think more so in, um, in a difficult, more difficult situations, but, but God gives grace. You know, I think he can give, he can give you the grace to, be who you should be wisely. And, and again, there's wisdom that's got to be involved in some of these very tough situations. Definitely. So, okay, second question. What is something that you wish you had done differently? Mm-hmm. Um, probably, probably understood that it's, that, Christy's story and Davy's story is much more their story than mine, and that I need to be cautious about what I share with whom. Um, and um, to just because I may not have um, honored them or honored their birth parents with some of the more negative things. That, that were involved. I, I think I did a fairly good job on that, but I wish I'd understood just, just if someone had said to me, well, don't forget, this is Christie's story and this is Davy's story. It's not your story. I, I think that would have, that would have been a good, a good regulator for what I would share with whom. And maybe I would narrow the scope of the number of people who, who knew a little bit too much. Um, as it was, as it was happening. Gotcha. That's an interesting one. Um, I would have never guessed that just hearing, hearing Christy talk and how, um, how mature she seems 
in regards to her birth family story and to her story and to your story. And um, I just, I would have never guessed that that would be a, a, a regret of yours. Well, what I'm saying is like to, to relatives and to friends. Right. Not, right. Not, okay. Yeah. Her, her story um, really, really was about as ideal. Um, now she, she's had some, she's had some, bumps in um, how does she balance especially now now that she's got us and she's got in-laws and she's got her birth mother's family and she's got her birth father's family that she's all connected with and trying to prioritize that in light of what their expectations might be at any given time that that's been difficult for her. and and there there've been other things um about about their relationship that she's had to really think through and and figuring out boundaries and and that kind of thing um is, you know has not been all copacetic um i don't know what it would be like if if davy were connected with his his birth family um hmm that's interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, so question number three, and it's a two-part question. So what is your favorite way that your tribe supported you through your adoption story? Maybe in those mm. early days or maybe when, you know, you were nervous about Christy meeting her birth mom or anything like that. Um, I, I think just the, the, fam- the immediate and the extended family just – totally embrace them as as our children and as blessings now my parents were very hesitant and they they lived um in another state um and in a way that was good um they had they had the attitude of you don't know what you're going to get and um and interestingly um in jim's family um, there's a, a genetic issue that took the life of one of um, one of the kids, and the other two kids share the same genetic problem, and they they have had to have a bunch of um, um, well, like they can't use certain medicines. They've got they've got restrictions on their lives that um, that that haven't made things horrible but it's a very it's a scary thing um, yeah that so so basically you don't know what you're going to get no matter where your child comes yeah. from <laughs> you know it's not like like look around at look around at the families you know and and say gee um you know these are their flesh and blood these brilliant people and who did you know who've terrific athletes, all this other stuff. And these people have kids who've got issues that, that they weren't expecting either. And um, so, you know, we, we, just, we just don't know. Um, but um, I, I think um, for the most part, we were so proactive about it that we probably repelled some of the, <laughs> we deflected maybe um, some of what might have been um, negative, um, just by having such a happy, grateful attitude to have these children, and um, and 
when things when things have been difficult, Davy has been a workout from day one. He's um, he's a he's his own man. He's been <laughs> keeping us on our knees and on our toes for his entire life. He's just a a real strong kid, and um, and through through all of that, um, our our friends and church family and and our um, immediate and extended family they they've all they've all been on our team and that that's been wonderful but i i think part of that is we've we 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 don't take credit for the good and we don't take all the credit for the tough stuff either you know we again back to control can i control him no have i when have I been able to control him? Well, I used to be able to stuff him in a car seat and you know <laughs> buckle him in but um but you know you look at um God's parenting of Adam and Eve, and you know both of them went haywire um and then his grandson killed the other grandson if you want to look at it from that point of view um God's grandson I'm talking about yeah. King killed Abel. Um, you know, people are going to make their own decisions. So when we accept too much credit for how awesome a child is, we're setting ourselves up for saying, oh, yes, and we are totally responsible for how difficult another one might be or how difficult this one's going to be in a couple years. <laughs> so um, I, I think just... Um, you know, we've we've tried to be real with people, and and they've been supportive of us. That's great, and and that. So my second part of that question is, what have people done that has maybe hurt you or made you feel misunderstood? Um, and do you think that that maybe you answered it when you were talking about your parents' hesitancy, or was there something else? Um. Uh, yeah, that was that that was. Um, that was hurtful, um, but I I also knew that they were from a different generation and that they didn't have the biblical grounding that Jim and I had to to just see the purpose of every life and to understand that even if things were difficult, that um, you know that God's grace would be sufficient. So. Um, I think that just in a way blowing off some of the misunderstandings other people have, not taking it personally, but just going, oh, they don't really understand. And in doing that also, you know, teaching your kids to kind of do that too. You know, I'm, a, I'm made in God's image. I am the way I am. Um, if other people don't appreciate it, it's it's more their problem than mine. You know, that kind of thing with appearance, with talents, with all kinds of things. Um, building some resilience in by, by just, some people just don't understand. That, yeah. That's, that's just a good thing to have in your arsenal, I think. I say, that's just some good basic wisdom, and I love it. Um, okay, so... Last question here. What is, if you could sum it all up, what is your biggest piece of advice or encouragement to adoptive families? Um, I'd say to um, 
really work hard at at maintaining your relationship with God, even if it's little snatches here and there when the kids are young and really active and um, you're not getting much sleep and things are crazy. Um, you know, just being um, being mindful that, yeah, I may need to get up a little earlier to, to spend time with them, with the Lord, um, and to hang on to Him and maybe squeezing it in throughout the day, spending time with Him, and then and then maintaining your relationship with um, with your spouse because um, you've got to be a united team and you've got to work out the the tough things um, that that may come up and every family has tough things that come up. So I, I think that's the biggest thing is having your priorities straight: God first, your spouse second, and your your kids um, third. Um, that's that's a formula for every family, but I think especially for adoptive families. And then, and then, to communicate um, lovingly and respectfully about their birth families, and and to trust God with um, with that, to lean on Him and and um, and communicate um, honestly but carefully and. Um, age appropriately with the children. Awesome. Well, this has been such a pleasure to hear all of your um, seasoned adoptive mama wisdom. And I'm so excited that you, that you had some time for us tonight. So thank you so much, Karen. Um, Where enjoyed it. Good. Well, where can we see cute pictures of you and your family? (laughs) Uh, um, I guess Facebook. Um, It's Karen Labar on Facebook. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Karen Labar. And you'll see a lot of encouragement for considering adoption and um, buying a Choose Life license plate. (laughs) Well, there's even more incentive to to send you a friend request, right? Yep. Thanks so much. (laughs) Thanks. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I know this stuff is hard, and I hope you found encouragement here. Remember, you are enough, and you're doing a great job. God wants to be at the center of this journey, and He is big enough to redeem all of our mistakes. Don't forget to check out show notes and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks again for listening.